welcome back to another episode of Hey Alexa. Today I have Shane Thrapp. He's a certified life and relationship coach and specializes in ADHD and ethical non-monogamy. Today we're going to talk about his story and how he came to be where he is today and we'll play our game at the end. Hey Shane, how are you? I'm doing good. Good. Thanks so much for coming and talking with us. I've had a busy week this week. I've been on a couple of different uh, uh, um, uh, groups working with them. And and so I'm kind of stoked about it today. Oh, good. Yeah, it's it's, uh, can be a lot like when you're having all these Zoom meetings and it's like staring at the computer all day. I, I have uh, I have the luck of having two uh, or twin two year olds and they're they make my life really interesting. Oh my goodness! Is it boys and girls, a girl and boy? Boy and a girl. Aw, and two, so sweet. Mm-hmm. Are they in the terrible twos? Actually, no. My kids are really amazing. Like, oh, I, good. I, I don't I don't have any complaints about my kids other than my um, my son will just get angry and get like. And he he immediately goes to the crying phase, but um, he's getting to the point where he'll at least drag me over to what he's wanting me wanting what he what he is wanting me to pick up or get for him. Uh, oh. so, yeah, I gotcha. So, would you tell us a little bit about your background and your story and how you came to be the certified life and relationship coach you are today? I. I've had a very, very crazy life. Uh, up until I was uh, 30, I was going through a lot of different issues, um, abusive childhood, uh, growing up in uh, rural South of uh, in uh, Northeast Texas, uh, living in an all white community, you know, going to a mixed school in um, my middle school years and this is back in the 90s this isn't like 70s or anything like that this yeah <laughs> in the 90s going from an all-white school to a mixed school and uh i've been just i just dealt with a lot of different things and when i turned uh 30 uh my son was diagnosed with uh, my oldest son was diagnosed with um, adhd and it got me thinking because as i, I was I'm a researcher. I love researching things. I've Me always too. Been, yeah, I've always, every time I find something or I, I hear about something and it hits that, uh, that thing in my brain, I just <laughs> go nuts with it. And this one's been a really long one. I've been, been essentially studying like ADHD and ethical non-monogamy for 10 years now. And it, you know, I had these suspicions and then I turned 36 and I was like, okay, you know, I, and I, I got really sick. And so I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to find a psychiatrist. I'm going to find a therapist and I'm going to uh, figure out what's going on with me. And then I was diagnosed with ADHD as well. Oh. And so once I found out about that, it was kind of like looking back at my life, I was like, oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense. Because I always bounced around from job to job. I, you know, had a really hard time with relationships. Yeah. I had a really hard time kind of staying focused on one thing. I tried to go to college. That, you know, that didn't work out for me because I didn't have the structure that I needed. And whenever I found out about that, I was like, oh, that's insane. And then I decided then that I was going to really start focusing on learning about ADHD and then 
not only that, how to create a system so that I could develop a, a structure around my life. And from there, I said, okay, you know, my psychiatrist and therapist and I were working really good. And my therapist got frustrated with me after like six months of therapy because I kept trying to tell her, I was like, I just want to be normal. I want to be like normal people. I want to be able to like have hobbies that I don't bounce from. And I want to have a job that I don't hate and, you know, loathe on a daily basis. And she goes, and she's like, this is the first time I've had a therapist, like get irritated. And she's like, she kind of slammed her hand down on the table. She goes, there is no normal. I need you to understand that there is no normal. Nobody is normal. And I guess I was just at a point where I was actually receptive. And it was a little shocking that this very mild mannered, awesome woman just kind just of yelled said, at you. <laughs> yeah, just essentially yelled at me at the, in, in a quiet voice. And I it like it stuck to me. And, and then from that point on, I was like, okay, I just need to be myself. You know, and that was when I decided to take the mask off and stop masking my ADHD and just be my authentic self. And from there, it was now what do I want to do with this? Right. I have all mm-hmm. this knowledge, right? I've got, of I've, course. Been, I've been um, kind of a contracted project manager for uh, 15 years at this point where I go, I essentially contract out to um, a temp uh, service and then they put you into these roles. And, and my specialty was project management, which was very structured, very organized, mm-hmm. but I never was able to apply that to my own life. And then I just said, oh, I'll just apply it to my own life. And so I started <laughs> developing this process for myself to, to really to build up what I wanted to do. And then I was just like, okay, now I have all this. What do I do with it? And so I turned to a, a life coach and I said, I need help. And what do I actually, do? <laughs> yeah, like I want to find my purpose. I want to find my passion. And the more we went through developing my passions and, and figuring out which ones were uh, long-term passions, things that mm-hmm. I had always stuck with, the more that we kind of drilled into it, the more life coaching kind of became the thing because I've always helped people. I've always been there uh, for people who are going through issues in their relationships. I've always been a person that people go to for advice. I always helped coach my, my, uh, the employees that I had under me in how to uh, have better careers. And so, you know, I just said one day I was like, Oh, I want your job. And she started laughing. I said, no, seriously, I want your job. This is what I want to do. I think this is exactly where I want to go. And so we flipped from developing my passions and everything and my purpose to fulfilling my purpose and actually doing my goals. And uh, from there, I kind of started reaching out to people and seeing if they were interested in my services. And, and then, you know, late last year, I said, you know what? I need to actually make this official so that I don't hit, get hit with these tax issues uh, at the end mm-hmm. of the year because I'd been making fairly decent money at this point. And so I became official in December and, and I started an actual business out of it. And wow, with ADHD and I help people with relationships. And I, uh, the thing with the life coach, she goes, when you create your business and you have ADHD, create a brand that can be used as an umbrella business because as you go through you can then start adding in yeah all these different uh um skill sets that you have and so 
eventually I want to do group coaching. Eventually I want okay. to do leadership training and career development and passion, you know, and purpose finding and yeah. uh, really kind of develop all those into a kind of cohesive thing. And that's kind of how, where I came. That's where I got to being a life coach with the, my umbrella brand, creating order from chaos. I love that. And I think what's so cool about being like a certified, like a life coach is you can really do so much, like all the different umbrellas or areas you want is you can focus in that because it is such a broad term. Mm -hmm. And the more I develop my niche and the reason I really got into the ADHD aspect of it is just honestly, it's you, when you're, when you're looking as a life coach, you want to help the people you are or have been. And there, we're starting to see a resurgence, or we're starting to see a surge in the knowledge of what ADHD actually is. And mm -hmm. what we're seeing is people are starting to understand that ADHD doesn't mean you're broken. It doesn't mean that you're uh, deficient or, of course. or anything like that. What it is, is that you just think differently. Exactly. It's, it's similar to autism spectrum and, 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 and what uh, people who are neuroatypical and neurodivergent have to deal with. We're just different. We just think differently. We process things differently. And when you have ADHD, it's not something where you can just like make a step-by-step -step program for a person to stick to. And then all of a sudden they're able to cope. Um, my methodology is I work with each client to find their specific tools that they need mm -hmm. for the life that they lead. So for some people, it's really tech heavy and they use like Evernote and Google Drive and they organize everything that way and they have yeah. a bunch of alarms. And some people are very analog and they want to do uh, notebooks and daily planners and things like that. And of course, since it's a spectrum, there's everything in between. I'm like the in-between, I think. Certain things I like my like Excel sheets, but other things I like my planner <laughs> and my notebook. Um, it kind of just depends. Right. I like I like tools that are multi-purpose. So like Evernote that is connected to my Google Drive, yeah. which is connected to my website that kind of uh, puts everything onto my calendar. And then I can just look at one spot and say, okay, these are all the things I have to do today. And then I also use Alexa and my <laughs> phone for alarms and yeah. Alexa and Alexa is for my chores. She yells at me. She goes, Hey, do your chores. You know, you know sweep or, <laughs> or, you know, um, things of that nature. And then of course I've got my alarms for whenever I want to start doing different things with my kids. And so, you know, in the morning it's getting them ready and all that stuff. But then there's a couple of hours where we do learning uh, stuff on YouTube. And then there's a couple hours where we do uh, crafting and things like that. And then there's a couple Aww. hours where I, where I just say, Hey, y'all go do playing stuff. You know, we'll, we'll go outside or, or, you know, if it's the weather's not great, you know, we'll just break out everything in the room and, um, and, and just kind of essentially let them do what they want. Uh, no TV, maybe music. Um, Baby Shark is their, is their current <laughs> Uh, obsession. Um, yeah, so, sounds about right. Yeah, so I just I I you know set it up, and then while they're doing that, I'm I'm sitting on a computer doing work, doing my social media, doing some marketing, doing research, you yeah. know, whatever I need to get done. And then once my wife gets home, uh, she's a special needs teacher. Um, once she gets home, uh, then I get into my office and and really start drilling down into doing stuff. Um, so do you do your coaching then at like more at night, like or at late afternoon night when she's home? I, I 
I start my coaching somewhere around in the uh, five to seven p.m. time okay. frame, and then but then I go until ten p.m. and then I also do Saturdays and Sundays. Okay, that's really cool. So you get to like have that quality time with your kids, but then still get to work and then still get to be with your wife. Right. I um I only work four days a week. Um, three days I make sure uh, that I'm spending time with uh, my wife Darcy and. And that we're able to kind of have our, you know, cuddle time on the sofa, watching our TV yeah. together. I kind of make sure that we're, I'm also getting me time. Uh, that's one of the biggest things I tell my clients yes. is, is as you're going through your day and as much as you can, make, make sure you're setting aside an hour or two where all you do is you. All you do is kind of, um, you just fuck off and, and go read a book, you know, just uh, play a video game, make sure that every day you take time out for yourself. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so when you got diagnosed with ADHD, did, did that connect you and your older son? Cause like you guys both had something in common together. At the time. Yes. Um, there's been some issues with my ex-wife where uh, she um, she's never let go of the way our relationship kind of happened. Um, we weren't good for each other. We were very, very bad for each other. We were both um, with me having ADHD. She came at me very hard. She ignored any time that I w- would have my rejection issues uh, because rejection sensory dis- you know, disorder. Um, she was very antagonistic towards me. She didn't yeah. believe that I had any real issues with me, that I was lazy. All the all of the negative things that a person can think about a person who is undiagnosed with ADHD, she kind of piled that trauma on top okay. of me. And of course, I came from abused childhood, so I was just very susceptible to it. And so uh, there's a lot of lashing out and things like that. And she just never let go of it. And she never let my kids forget about it. And so there was just a lot of, there's a lot of healing that we're going to have to do in the next few years as they kind of get older and out on their own. Um, but, you know, all I can do is keep working at it and I understand. keep trying to be better at, about being a dad and then take the lessons I learned from them and make sure I don't make the same, you know, mistakes, you know, with my uh, newest children. You just got to keep trying and you yeah. seem like you're doing the best that you can. So that's awesome. Where did the non uh, or ethical non-monogamy come from? That was something I discovered uh, from Dan Savage uh, back uh, <laughs> uh, back a long time ago. I, you know, I don't practice or anything like that, but I I I learned about it because it was it explained a lot about my younger self. And how I kind of bounced from person to person and, and wanted and wasn't very happy in relationships after a certain amount of time. Uh, there's a, yeah. there's a phrase that I just re- recently learned and it's an ICU, NICU, uh, you know, is it new, interesting, challenging, or urgent? And, <laughs> and every time I get to the point where the relationship hits, where it's not meeting any of those things, I would just kind of find somebody new. And uh, whenever I learned about ethical non-monogamy and especially polyamory, it just sounded like, 
oh, and then I found out that a lot of people who have ADHD or on the autism spectrum uh, also uh, practice ethical non-monogamy in some form or fashion because it just kind of works for them. And uh, it, and since it was my thing, it was since it was a, a really interesting subject and it's been always been an interesting subject. I just, I want more people to know about it mm-hmm. so that they understand that it's an option in, in their relationship. If they um, have a strong enough relationship and they have a good communication style and if they're uh, able to have that honesty with their, uh, their, in their relationship and trust that this is, this is a viable option for a lot of people. And that, you know, I, I dislike the status quo because the status quo is what gets everybody judged, uh, judgmental and um, yeah. not liking different. And so I, I want people to understand that you don't have to live that kind of life if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, but that actually makes a lot of sense. Like why like people with like ADHD or like autism might be more drawn to the ethical non-monogamy. And did you ever think about it at one point? Um, yeah, yeah. And and my wife and I had talked about it um, quite a bit, but it just, it's not ever something that we just decided to do. You know what yeah. I mean? It, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a thing that we know that if we decide to do, we may explore it. But right now we're just so wrapped up in each other and it's That's been awesome. that way for 12 years now. So, And I think uh, you're good. <laughs> yeah. Um, we talked about it like very early on, like three months in, uh, into the relationship when we were on our way to um, her parents' house. And we both kind of like, as we kind of went through the conversation and we were talking about what that looked like, you know, uh, my wife, uh, my, well, she's my girlfriend at the time. Uh, we just said, she said, let's explore that later on down the road and, and we'll see about it and things like that. And so a few, a few years later, we, we sat down and we actually had another discussion about it. And she just said, if it happens, it happens, you know, it's not that big of a deal. I don't have an issue with it. And so, yeah, <laughs> but the hilarity of it is, is like anybody else in, in, in any kind of other relationship eventually would have like, like you see it all the time. They wind up cheating on each other, but like, it's like, I have the option and stuff like that, but I don't, I don't need to. Right. <laughs> so it's almost like if people had the option or knew the option was on the table, then it would be maybe less people would cheat. Mm-hmm. Honestly, you see that a lot. Cause it's that. Um, that like that knowing you can't do something mm-hmm. that's and it, honestly that's a draw for a lot of people as far as cheating is concerned that's why you see a lot of that kind of um porn where they talk about uh you know i cheated on my husband with ex-wife and then there's cuckolding and um and and you know hot wifing and you see a lot of that porn uh people a lot of people watching that kind of porn because that's the kind of their fantasy because it's that taboo of of mm-hmm. cheating and things like that yeah uh, so how did you, um, not how did you, I'm sorry. What is the difference between ethical non-monogamy and I guess non-ethical? Um, it's the, it's the honesty. It's the, the trust. Okay. It's, it's the communication. Um, with ethical non-monogamy, it's very much about putting um, the consent into the relationship where everybody is aware of the, 
everybody is aware of the situation. They may not be aware of who else is there is because there's things like don't ask, don't tell. There's things like where um, then there's things like swinging where everybody's kind of involved, but it's a sexual relationship. Yeah. And then there's polyamory where it's a kind of a meaningful relationships, but sex may not be uh, a part of it or it may be a part of it. it it's, it's all about the intimacy and, and mm-hmm. having the loving relationship. And then there's like, there's relationship anarchists who essentially just have relationships with whoever they want without any real boundaries um, as to who they uh, uh, are uh, allowed to date. And, you know, so there's just ethical non-monogamy is just is this umbrella term. And, you know, I just, and that allows people to explore outside of their relationships because, you know, not all relationships are meant to last forever, right? right. The goal, in, you know, the status quo in America is um, 50 years and die, right? But mm-hmm. we don't see that as much as we used to. Some people are able to do it, but most, I mean, like, we're, sitting, we're seeing somewhere around 54% of marriages end a divorce, and a large chunk of that is due to um, adultery. Yep. And that number increases the the younger that you get married. Okay. And, yeah, that and would make so, sense. And so we need to kind of have a paradigm shift in what we feel is our successful relationship, because a successful relationship shouldn't be that you know fifty years and done. It should be how happy or on the journey together are you? Right. Regardless of who all is involved, how happy are y'all? Are you having fun? Are you enjoying the time that you're with the people? Because once you get to a certain point and the relationship is done, if you keep going past when the relationship is done, it starts to spoil and it starts to get toxic. There's a lot of bitterness that gets built up and that bitterness starts hurting everybody around it. And like, who wants to be with a person for 30 years and you're bitter as fuck towards each other? Right. Oh, for sure. So, and I've seen I'm, couples like that and it's, and yeah. they're just, they stay in it and they don't get out. And it's like, why? Yeah. It, and you see a lot of it. Like, uh, I, I remember like the older, uh, 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 TV shows, especially like married with children, like what a toxic family. Right. And I know it was for comedy and I understand that. And, but yeah. I look at like Al Bundy and Peggy Bundy and I'm like, y'all should have broke up like way before you had the other, uh, the, the two kids. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't even like and so uh, and so what I, I i wish people kind of just understood that there's you know there's it's okay to end a relationship on a on a good note and be happy being right. friends once that spark has kind of gone away and before the bitterness starts setting in because if you've got kids and they're having to deal with all that uh anger and emotions that's yeah. traumatizing for them at any age it doesn't matter if they're uh, really young because if you are still bitter and you still hate, like hate toward, have a lot of hate towards your other partner, that hate comes across no matter what, you can't hide it. And so the child is raised in this fairly traumatic environment that's got a lot of toxicity. And even if the parents try to be as nice towards each other as possible, like you can't help but slip when you know, the dad's not able to come see the uh, children on a certain day or when the mom's not picking up the uh, the children and the dad right. has to go to work. There's that, there's that backbiting and stuff like that. But 
if you split whenever the relationship is kind of really done, that's when you start seeing a lot of healing happen afterwards. And you start seeing a lot of um, um, co-parenting and you see a lot of uh, really successful friendships kind of occur. And then the children see that and they start going, okay, uh, the divorce wasn't the end of everything. Right. You know, the separation wasn't the end of everything. You know, they're still able to be friends. And then those people grow up and they have a lot healthier relationships, um, not just with other people, but with themselves. Right. Oh, for sure. Well, thank you for coming on. And I learned a lot, actually. I had no idea all this like existed, but it's so cool. I love like having people on and hearing different perspectives. Um, we're going to switch gears. And I wanted to play a game with you. Mm -hmm. And so it's just five questions um, about you rapid fire. The first one is your drink of choice. I drink a lot of water, actually. Um, if <laughs> it's a soda, it's, yeah, if it's a soda, it's Mountain Dew. But um, I drink, I don't know, uh, 60 to 100 ounces of water a day. Oh, my God. I'm trying. It's just not, it's not easy. There's not, it's not very good. <laughs> um, I use a lot of flavorings, to be completely truthful. Oh. Okay, that makes you sense. Know, not a lot, but not no. a lot in the drink. But that's that's kind of how I, because um, water's just plain, right? It's uh, right. It's so, so boring. And I don't, I don't ascribe to uh, aspartame being a toxic thing or artificial sweeteners. Some people it affects; they get migraines and things like that, and that's fine. Right. But for me, it doesn't mess with me a whole lot. So, you know, I throw me a little packet into a little uh, big you know 40 ounce jug and yeah you know, go to town with it all day long <laughs> um you have a, like a favorite movie or tv show or both movies um oh jesus this is you're asking an adhd person this it could be uh, your movie right now it could be a favorite right now it doesn't have to be overall my favorite well my favorite movie of all time is 300 you know, okay. I, I love the Spartan story. I absolutely adore it. My favorite TV show right now is Reacher. It is amazing. And they nailed it. It is exactly what I expect the book to, uh, or from the book uh, uh, that was written. I saw I've seen I saw my dad was watching it. So I saw like a few minutes of it. It looked good. It's brutal as fuck. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, what what is some, some advice you'd give to your younger self? that it's okay to be uh it's okay to be weird you don't have to live a life that others you know you don't need to live live a life that others you know need to understand and that you can just be yourself you don't have to hide behind the masks that you build with mental health when you have mental health issues that it's just it's okay to be who you are i love that um five words to describe you Passionate, loyal. I don't know one word for great parent. Um, you can, we can uh, put it together. It's fine. Yeah. Makes it loving one word. <laughs> yeah. Loving husband. Um, and just, you know, happy. I love that. And then the last one is what does success mean for you? Success means for me that my children grow up and they are happy. They are living their purpose. They are following their passions and that they make enough money that I can retire off of them. 
That sounds good. <laughs> um, where can my listeners find you? If you go to www.creatingorderfromchaos.com or you can find me on Facebook at Creating Order From Chaos Coaching. All right. And that'll be in the description below. This was another episode of Hey Alexa. Thank you so much, Shane. And have a good day, everybody. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye.